grandfathers, great-grandfathers, um, whether you're here or watching online, um, we love you and we appreciate you. Can we just give it up for, for our fathers and grandfathers? Thank you. Well, I'm excited to be able to share God's word today. And today's going to be a little different. It's going to be a two-part message. I'm going to preach the first half. And then Pastor Joe is going to preach the second half. And we're going to talk about patience because we're actually, our fathers have been very patient with us. So we're actually going to preach two messages. So you're probably not getting out till two. <laughs> you're like, is he serious? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about patience. We're talking about reconciliation. Actually, um, today we uh, are going to be talking about the heart of the Father, the heart of the Father. And we believe that it was, is, it's God's heart um, to reconcile, to restore, to see things that have been broken put back into right relationship and restoration. And that's at the heart of the Father. So um, when Pastor Rick had mentioned uh, to me and Joe that we'd be teaching, um, Pastor Joe had mentioned to me that the Lord had put on his heart the topic of reconciliation. So we started talking about it and um, decided that we were going to teach from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 through 21, which is a great passage on this topic. It really shows us the Father's heart to restore and to see things put back um, into the right relationship and to see rec reconciliation. Um, kind of a special verse for, uh, for me and Joe, because when I first came to the church here at 19, um, and Joe is, Joe, are you like 10 years older than me? No. no. That, he's, he's like a year older than me. So we were both, we were both young, and um, we were in the college group, and we got a job. So my mutual friend got us a job at a place called Ambassador, Ambassador Advertising Agency, and that's where this, they got this, uh, their name from this text, that we're ambassadors for Christ. And we got hired on at this company, and while Joe was pursuing his career in finance and business, and I was pursuing my chiropractic career, we had this amazing job where we were able to go in and, okay, this is going to date us because this was back when um, they were sending out, like, you'd call in, you'd listen to a program, and you wanted a cassette, Right? And you had to like, somebody had to send those cassettes out. So we'd be duplicating cassettes and sending them out. And um, they actually had reel-to-reel, -reel, uh, like the pastors, there was tons of like big name pastors, all the pastors that were on the radios. And they'd send us like a reel that had their messages on it. And we would basically duplicate those to send them out to the radio stations all over the country that were playing these, uh, these messages because they didn't have digital at that time. Everything hadn't, hadn't gone there. But long story short, us being there, um, it was required. They wanted another set of ears listening to the messages and the sermons before they sent them out. So we were there and 24-7 just pastors preaching messages, listening in the background. And we were supposed to listen for what was called like dropouts if there was a problem and it needed to be edited or something. Little did we know we were being prepared. God was preparing us. That was like seminaries right there, just listening to all these amazing teachers and filling us. So I think this, this passage, we were looking for a reason to teach on this passage, huh, about ambassadors because um, it's a, a special topic for us. But we're going to go ahead and jump in. And we are going to be in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 through 21. And I'm going to be reading from the New King James. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's start. 
Now, now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your word. As we open your word and as we study your word this morning, God, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear and a heart to know you more. Lord, I pray that this wouldn't just be information that we're gathering on another Sunday message. Lord, we want to be hearers. Well, don't want to just be hearers, but we want to be doers of the word. Lord, we pray that this transforms us and makes a change in us, Lord, that we would know you more, serve you better, and live our lives complete for you. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so like I mentioned, this is a two-part message. And the first part, uh, I'm going to lay some groundwork on the topic of reconciliation. What is it? Who needs it? How do we receive it? And then Pastor Joe is going to uh, give us some practical uh, uh, points on reconciliation. How do we live that out as ambassadors for Christ? Um, thought it was an appropriate topic here for Father's Day. Um, my first, I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning, that my son pulled the fire alarm my first Father's Day. Did I, did I already mention that? I'm mean, trying to remember if it was the first service I talked about. It's all blur. But um, yeah, this is kind of, I think, uh, for me, Father's Day here is significant because it was probably the most embarrassing moment I ever had. Um, when we were in service, and I think we used to have those, like a green room, and there was the fire, you know, the, the covers that are on those? That was because of my son, you know, they have the plastic on, because we, we were holding them, you know, not paying attention, you know, new, I'm new, new, this new dad, you know, and got him, and he's doing this, and I rock over, and he grabs the firearm, pulls it down during service. So you guys were in here, and the light, this was like 13, 14 years ago, I guess, and the lights start going off in here. The fire doors, you know, and the cafes start coming down. We basically, you know, we wanted you to know the Linders are here. Nathan Linders on the, on the scene. Father's Day, we love it. So, okay, let's jump in. Number one, the need for reconciliation. The need for reconciliation. Why do we need to be reconciled in the first place, right? So let's start with just some definitions here. Um, what is reconciliation? Well, the word reconciliation comes from obviously the word reconcile. And I looked it up in Webster's Dictionary what uh, the definition of reconcile is. And it says to restore to friendship or harmony. To restore. That's a really important word. To restore to friendship, to harmony. Because the reason that's important is it's significant because when we talk about reconciliation, it implies that at least there's three phases, three minimum to a relationship, right? Friendship and harmony. Then there's some kind of problem, a break in that relationship. And then when you reconcile, there's a a restoring of that relationship. If two people meet themselves, uh, are meeting for the first time, they're not being reconciled, right? They ha there has to be a conflict there, some, something for people to be reconciled, for a relationship to be, as uh, a Webster would define it, restored to friendship or harmony. So the Bible tells us in this passage that we were reconciled to God. 
So that means in our relationship with God, we've gone through these three phases. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at those three phases um, how in our relationship with the Lord. Stage one, friendship and harmony. Um, we know if when we open the Bible and read Genesis chapter one and two, that God created the heavens and the earth and he looks out and everything is good, right? It says, indeed, it was very good. Man and God had harmony and friendship in the garden. We were able to walk with God in the cool of the day. Things were good. But then we enter into the second phase of our relationship, which we read about in Genesis 3, which is broken relationship. God had given us some commands. In fact, it says the Lord God had commanded the man, not suggested to the man. Um, he laid some ground rules and gave the, 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 the man a command that he was not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. And if he did, what? There'd be consequences. It says, surely you will die. And like a sign that says wet paint, and we want to just touch it, right, to see, we did it. But it was more than that. It wasn't about a tree or fruit. It was about our heart and us rebelling against the king, the creator. And we rebelled. And from that moment on, the Bible tells us that, that, that sin entered into the world through one man's disobedience. That act of disobedience created a barrier. We rebelled against God. We had uh, a broken relationship at that time. The Bible says immediately after that, one of the first things that we read is that Adam and Eve did what? They um, had guilt. They had shame. They had fear. They hid from the presence of God, tried to cover themselves. We didn't, we didn't have that. That entered into the relationship because of our rebellion. That wasn't natural for us to feel this fear and, and shame and guilt before the Lord. But all that came in because we had this broken relationship. And then the next thing, again, they, they hide. There's this separation. In fact, as we read on, it says that the Lord God drove the man out. In fact, it says, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden um, to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove him out. So what's that? That's distance. That's separation. That wasn't there originally. That wasn't what God intended. So we had this harmony, this friendship. We rebel. We have a broken relationship. And now sin has caused a barrier. And we see this, this, this separation taking place between us. In God, in fact, the prophet Isaiah says, your iniquities have separated you from your God. And it says, your sins have hidden his face from you. We had a barrier that needed to be dealt with. So why do we need to be reconciled to God? Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And the wages of sin is death. We have a great need. Humanity has a great, great need to be reconciled to the creator, which brings us to the third uh, stage of our relationship, the need for reconciliation. The good news is that the Bible tells us here, even in this text, we see the father's heart because it says God has reconciled us to himself. Now, all things are of God, verse 18 says, who has reconciled us to himself. The good news is that God has reconciled us to himself. But how did he do it? What was the process? So that's what I want to talk about. Uh, point two is the process. First, we talked about the need. Now we're going to talk about the process. How did God reconcile us to himself? Um, I have four quick points I'm just going to touch on, um, on this process of reconciliation. First, God 
was the initiator of our reconciliation. God was the initiator. In verse 18, it says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. The Bible said it was God who reconciled us to himself. And in verse 19, it says, That is, that God was reconciling the world to himself. Notice that. God was reconciling the world to himself. Um, the Bible says that he was the one doing it. God is the initiator, right? We were 100% responsible. We rebelled. We caused the offense. And then God was the one that pursued this restoration in, uh, in the relationship. I don't know about you, but, um, well, let me, let me start with this. Usually when there's conflict, you know, in a relationship, I don't like to try to put percentages. It's never healthy to put percentages on it, right? Well, it's probably like 70% my fault, 30% her fault, or, you know, sometimes it's 50-50. Maybe specific incidents, you know, like you can go, okay, yeah, this was probably a lot more than my fault. But pretty rare in when people or couples are having a relationship problem is it 100% 0%, right? <laughs> and if you're thinking that it's 100% 0%, You've probably got some problems because if you're thinking, because you're not thinking it's, you're probably thinking that, yeah, it's never me, right? So it, it's this, it, we got to recognize that there's both parties, there's issues, right? But in our relationship with God, it was 100%, we, we're 100% to blame. And I don't know about you, but if there's ever been a problem where somebody offended you, did something wrong, I'm not talking about willing to forgive them, but for you to go pursue that person to, to, to restore the relationship when you are, you know, 100% in the right, that's what God did. If somebody did that, you know, something to me and really, really offended me, I'm usually waiting for them to come and say sorry, right? And then it's big of me to think, okay, I forgive you, you know, it's the biblical, <laughs> it's the biblical thing to do. When you've been offended and then for you to go pursue the reconciliation, that's the heart of the Father. God, God's seeking after us to restore what we, we blew it and he's, he, he wants to fix it for us. And so we get to our second point. Jesus Christ was the solution. In verse 18 it says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us uh, to himself through Jesus Christ. That little phrase, through Jesus Christ, is really important. In verse 19 it says, God was in Christ. Again, same thing. It's through Christ and in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It was all accomplished in Christ. He was the solution. Number three, the cross dealt with our sins. The cross dealt with our sins. You see, the problem of sin needed to be dealt with. Verse 19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them. That word imputing means like crediting. So God was not crediting our sins to our account. If you go to the store and you swipe that credit card, you're going to see on your statement something got credited to your account. Right? There's, a, there's a debt now that needs to be paid. It's in your account. And God, we had this debt and he didn't credit it to our account. So where did it go? What do we do? It, it, there, there's a misunderstanding sometimes when we talk about our sins being forgiven as if God just kind of, what that means is he like, whoo, whoo, I'm going to sweep them under the rug. You know, like your sins were kind of swept under the rug and, you know, we're not going to look at it. We're not going to acknowledge it. That's not what happened. 
every single sin that has ever been committed or will be committed will be paid for and punished. So to get your debt canceled, your sins were not swept under the rug. Somebody had to pay for it. Which in verse 21, God tells us how he did this, which is pretty amazing. It says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The great reformer Martin Luther called this the great exchange the great exchange. In other words, what happened is your sin, remember that verse in Isaiah, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So he basically took our sin, all the punishment that we should have deserved for sin, all the sins of the world were laid on Christ at the cross and he paid for them. They were not swept under the rug. They've been paid for, paid in full. Amen? That's good news, right? That's good news. So the debt is paid for, yeah. But let me tell you something. It gets better. That's, that's mercy. That's mercy. But remember, we got mercy and grace. Grace is, 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 is what we, we, we gain. Because if you just got your sins forgiven, you're net neutral. You got nothing in your account. But then God took the perfect sinless life that Jesus lived. And, and he earned righteousness, the only person to ever earn a righteous standing with God. And he placed that into your account. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Now we're covered in righteousness. So here's the wrong thinking. Christians, hear me, brother and sister. You're not just forgiven. You're covered in Christ's righteousness. Your bank account isn't just zero. It's like, woo, my dad's gone. No, no, no. You got, mil- you got billions in your bank account. You have Christ's righteousness credited to your account. Whether you feel it or not, you're righteous. Can we celebrate that? You're righteous. That, that's, that's, the great, that's the great exchange. That's the great exchange. Four, we have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he is our peace. Christ is our peace. So God, the good news is now we can have peace with God. It's made available to us. And how do we get that peace? Now God has gone through all these steps to reconcile us. Well, we receive it by how? By faith, right? We know that. By grace, you have been saved. How? Through faith. Through faith. We're made right with God through faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that what? That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's believing, trusting uh, in, in the gospel. Point number three, the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. That... Um, is really now where we start to get to the practical stuff. And I don't want to steal too much of Pastor Joe's message, so I just want to point out three things here from the text. This text told us that we're ambassadors of Christ. Um, so what does that mean? Like, what, what, is that, what does that ministry look like? So the ministry of reconciliation, three things. As ambassadors for Christ, first, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 18 says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself, through Jesus Christ and given us 
the ministry of reconciliation. Every single person in here has a ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. And I would suggest it's the same thing as Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Right, go into all the world, preach the gospel, you know, making disciples. Making disciples means people getting saved, right? You're, we have this ministry of bringing people to God, the ministry of reconciliation. And you go, well, I don't feel equipped. Well, let's keep reading because God gives us everything that we need. It says in verse uh, uh, 19, we've been given the word of reconciliation. So we've been given first the ministry of reconciliation. Then it says we've been given the word of reconciliation. It says that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us, to me and to you and to all of us, the word of reconciliation. What's the word of reconciliation? It's the gospel. It's the good news. How do we reconcile? We've been given this ministry of reconciling humanity with God. Because remember, there's this great need. And how do we do that? Through telling them about what, what, what God did for us in the person of Jesus Christ, his only son. He sent his perfect son to come and live a perfect life and die on the cross. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins. And we can bring people by preaching that when they believe and respond in faith into a restored and reconciled relationship with God. So we get to be those agents. And more than that, my final point, we've been called to be the mouthpiece of God. And, and let me show you where I see that. Verse 20. It says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, listen to this line, as though God were pleading through us. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That verse tells me God's called us to be his mouthpiece to a lost and hurt and dying generation to preach the word, to tell people about, about the good news of what, that we can have restored relationship, that there's hope. So what does that look like in today, in 2021? Well, Pastor Joe's going to come up and talk to us about what it looks like to live this out as ambassadors for Christ in, in today's day and age. All right, Pastor Joe. So here we are, we're called to be that word, right? That voice. And, you know, you think of Abba Father, you think of Father's Day, and this is that word that we believe that we all want to hear. You know, what is the Father speaking to us in this time? And I think of us being ambassador as, you know, even being, being a dad, I'm a, I'm a dad of, of three kids, and um, I think of the role as a dad. Let's be real. I mean, nowadays, the Father, um, His voice I mean, again, I kind of mentioned last service, I mean, gone are the days of leave it to beaver, right? I mean, now when it comes to dad's voice and his role, being that ambassador, being that example, I mean, dad doesn't know anything anymore. I mean, you can't find a TV show. You can't find where the dad's the hero. Most of the times, dads, we get it all wrong, you know, and dads are kind of like, you know, they're not really, they're kind of dropping the ball. And, um, but yet, when you look at the stats, I'm not going to give you all the, 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 the stats, you know them. In fact, every Father's Day, we review them. But whenever you have a dad, you know, that's there to be an ambassador, that's carrying this message in a family unit, boy, it speaks volumes to the family unit. Not only do you see these ch their children thrive, you see communities thrive when you have the role of the father 
caring and being that ambassador in every aspect of life, even them themselves being a father. And so when it comes to this thing about being ambassador, saying, man, I'm, I'm taking inventory. I'm not living that righteous life. When it comes to be, having a father figure my life to kind of mentor me and disciple me, that, that is non-existent because the stats say the truth is most of us, even in this room, there is a brokenness. Talking about reconciliation, there is a brokenness in the family unit. If you look at all this, most of us either weren't, don't have a father at home at all, or even as a dad, this is a tough day because we haven't been really being that example. We haven't been that mouthpiece, and there's a lot of reconciliation that wants to take place. But what's so great about the Father's heart is that if you don't believe in yourself, God believes in you more. Did you hear what Pastor Scott said? He's a good father. He's what? He's pursuing you. He doesn't give up on you. He sent his son Jesus to be his mouthpiece. In fact, God said this, when you've seen the Father, right? if you want to see the Father, look at me, right? Jesus says, the Father and I are what? are one. If you've seen me, you see the Father. The words I speak are not mine. The words I speak are whose? The Father's. So what is the word? What's the heart of the Father as we come today on this Father's Day? How are we going to be those ambassadors? How do we carry that ministry of reconciliation? Well, we're going to look at the words of Jesus because we're called to be ambassadors in some pretty heavy times. I believe this Father's Day is unique amongst all other Father's Day. When it comes to the most challenging times and the heaviest times and the heavy decisions, many times that's when they call upon the Father. That's when he comes in and shores things up. And coming through the heaviness season, we have, boy, I believe that we want to hear the Father's heart. I'm grateful for um, Pastor Rick, who's been helping us to navigate this season. Are you grateful for Pastor Rick and Carol? As they've been teaching and preaching for the last almost year and a half, because we've been wrestling with so many different issues today. When it comes to the signs of the times and pastors got done, I want to encourage you to grab hold of every message as we look at these seasons, these times, because 2 Corinthians, the context of that is they're asking about the deep issues of life. This pandemic has helped us to see the seriousness of what happens after life. And for the believer, boy, death is not the end. It's only the beginning. Amen. And that's what the heart of the father is. And so pastors have been talking about as we go through these heavy times, and I think of what's taking place, um, and, and I, want, I want to go there because um, Pastor shared a little bit about the clarity, understanding the issues of the tribulations and the issues of the Antichrist and the wars and things happening in Israel. And we look at our, our news, and, and yet we find ourselves needing to hear about how am I supposed to engage, how am I supposed to be an ambassador during this season in life? And I don't know about you, but when my, my kids were little, um, they would always ask dad about everything. I had to know everything. Dad, what about this? Dad, what about this? What about this? And I was the expert. You know, and I had and I had to know it and I gave them answers for everything too. You know? But it's interesting when they got older, dad didn't know nothing, you know? Now I'm now I'm not the voice of reason at all, right? But I want to take us to a passage that complements 2 Corinthians. Because the apostle Paul he writes to them and listen, you're going to go through these moments. There's going to be challenges. But I want you to know that there's a, a future glory that's going to happen. That faith is not the evidence of things that you, you see. It's the evidence of things that are unseen. And so here we have the disciples coming to Jesus, talking to them about how, what's going to happen at the end of the age. And how can I be an ambassador? How do I carry this ministry of, of reconciliation in the midst of this world that we are living in now? And I believe it compliments. I want to encourage you to go through and get Pastor Rick's message on cosmic clarity and under, discerning the times. Because it impacts how we live our days today. 
And so they're coming to Jesus, and you can turn there to Matthew 24 if you get your phone or your Bible. It complements what this issue is when it comes to the deep issues of life. Again, they're talking about the issues of the temple, and Jesus is saying, when this thing get rebuilt or tear down, they're gathering there at the Mount of Olives, and the disciples come to Jesus privately, and here he is. They ask him the question, and they say, tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many, and you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. And he goes this, see that you are not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences, kind of like, you know, some of the challenges that we're facing today, and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of sorrows. You see, they're coming to Jesus, and he gives them five things on how you can be an ambassador, how you live. And it's going to be interesting as we look at this text. And, and again, Pastrick has done all the heavy lifting. I get to come in and share with you the Father's heart in all of it. Because in the midst of everything happening out here, the first thing he says is, I want you to what? Take heed. I want you to take heed because there's so much happening on the outside of the world. But what's more important is not in, in, in studying, understanding, discerning the times. Understanding what's going on the outside of your world is very, very important. But what's most important is what God is doing in here. Amen? Is how God is, how you're living through it and how he's shaping you. How you're listening and how you're listening to your father. In fact, that word take heed, I looked at the dictionary. On, you can look at it on your, I, I looked it up in the thesaurus and it says, what does it mean to, to take heed? It literally says, listen to your father. I love that. I mean, how, come on, dad, that's here. In the midst of, they have all what's going on and they're, they're, there's so much turmoil, their lives are falling. Just listen to me. Listen to your father. And you have, many of you need to quiet your spirit. When it comes to being this ambassador and all this termulation in the world that you live in, it's time to sometimes be not so focused on what's going on out here, but the heart of the fathers, he's more concerned about you and your heart and how you're living, how you're growing in the Lord, you know? How is your heart right? How you living? Is your mind right? You know, this past year, year and a half, as a dad, my kids have gone through so much, and I have younger ones and not so younger ones. I actually am... My son, he celebrated a birthday last year, and he had COVID. And so all of his birthday parties got completely canceled. I think of my kids and all their activities. It was the last year of Little League, canceled. And they're in quarantine. You guys all know, you've all lived this life together. You know, their dance classes, all their videos, and everything's on Zoom. Everything was turned upside down. And, and I'm not, and everything happening with the pandemic and everything happening with the outside forces. As a dad, what am I more concerned with? Is how my kids going to respond in this time? Are they going to thrive? Are they going to more concerned about them growing in this season? And so that is what he's sharing with them. He's saying, listen, I know, you know, that is what God's most concerned with. Is in the midst of all that, what's most important is you and your soul. Is you growing in this season. And this has been a, a great opportunity for us to take advantage of this time of now more than ever. Let me tell you something, the class of 2021, they're getting huge life lessons right now. I believe that that's the prophetic word for them. If they're going to be even stronger and greater, that God has a special plan for this generation as they overcome the challenges that are being faced right now in this world. So he tells them, the first thing he says is take heed. And the second thing he says is in verse 6. He goes, in the midst of this, focus on yourself. You know, make sure that you are, you know, you're, you're right. Make sure they're walking in holiness. Make sure your heart is after me, that you're listening. 
that you're, you're heeding my voice, and then make sure you're not troubled. In the midst of everything happening, and this is, this is all, when you see all this happening, do not let your heart be troubled. Don't, don't have a spirit where you're agitated and you're walking in that fear and that worry and that anxiety. He encourages them not to let that manifest. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I mean, let's be real. Right now, that's exactly what's happening. People are so agitated. People are so upset with each other. People are going after each other. You can't help but to go on social media or in the news, and there's people against people. He said there's going to be nation against nation. That could also be translated where in these times we see race against race. Do not let your heart be troubled. When you see everything in a way, no. He, he encourages them as a good father to say this is how you are to live. Because not only you're going to see so many things, he goes, and then you're going to see lawlessness abound. You're going to see that a great falling away he talks about. He goes, in verse 12, he goes, um, he goes, lawlessness will be increased. Have we been seeing that around in our culture? He says, the love of many will grow cold. But then here's the good heart of the Father. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. He goes, you're not a quitter. You're going to endure. You know, sin is one thing. But he says, and the King James says that iniquity will abound. That we're going to live in days where it's going to become more and more easy for you to compromise. Sin will be more easily accessible to you, and it's actually going to be accepted. People are going to be falling away. And iniquity is different than sin is. Yeah, we all sin, and we struggle with sin, but iniquity is this outward rebellion where people are going to know how to to serve the Lord, but they're going to willingly choose to go a different direction in rebellion. I mean, we're living in a day and age where sin is abounding. It's even more acceptable sometimes in the church. I mean, talking about every immorality known to man is at the tip of our fingertips when it comes to raising up a young generation. You know what the age group, social media, if you want to look at Facebook and, and Instagram, you know what age they say that a child should have a social, legally how old they're supposed to be to have a social media account? It's supposed to be the age 13. I live around the school, I know all these kids, all these kids are just there, wide open, YouTube. Everything is bombarded with them. I know that because my son, he's turning 13, and guess what he wants? He wants the phone. He wants access to the Internet. And, and let me tell you something. As a pastor, as a children's pastor, as a young little pastor, man, it is a breathing ground for sin to abound. But as a good father, he says, no, listen, you're not going to go there. You're going to stand firm. You're going to endure. You're going to endure. And so he's encouraging them. In the midst of all the things that you've ever seen before, that your friend, you're going to walk. You're not going to compromise. You know, you're going to become a con- That word endure means you're not going to quit. Because you're going to feel like, every- and obviously our, our kids and our families, they come home with the weight of the world on their shoulders, and you've got to help them navigate that. That's the heart of the Father, right? And that's what he's doing here. Jesus is helping them navigate that in the midst of all the, the failures and the hurts and the hang-ups. You know, one of my greatest roles are kind of fun stories when it comes to being a father I always told myself I'd never be one of those dads that lives through their kids, you know, when it comes to sports. I go, I'm never going to be one of those. Forget it. I am. I am totally one of those. You know, I was with, um, when I think of not being a quitter, um, my little Johanna, when she was in middle school, she was playing a a school in Newport, and Kobe Bryant's daughter, Gigi, right? We're all, we we remember, we all remember Gigi. Now she's, she was playing on the other team, and Johanna was playing against her. 
and she was posting up against her. And it, let me tell you something. And Kobe was sitting on the other side. So you have me that's up and down the sideline screaming my head off, going crazy, and Kobe's just sitting there stoic, chewing his gum. Not even, I don't even think he was looking at her, you know, but in a way he was, because he's Kobe, right? He had that mama mentality. Well, Johanna's just doing great, just stopping her. She's the Kobe stopper, right? Then we come in here, and sure enough, is coming down the court, and then she gets floored by, jo Johanna goes to block her and puts her on the floor. And Gigi's crying. And I don't, I'm not even looking at Gigi. I'm looking at Kobe. <laughs> and you know what Kobe's doing? He didn't even, he didn't, I go, what kind of dad is that? He's like mamba mentality, like, you get up, girl. You get up, you know? And he even acknowledged her, you know? I think, I, I, and the shrimp, she looked at him, and she got up. <laughs> she got the ball, and she scored like 20 more points and just dominated, just like her dad did. But you see, not a quitter. Not a quitter. And that's what God says, you know, we're going to go into some heavy times. You think the pandemic, this past year and a half is going to be bad? Wait, wait, what's, we've been, aren't you grateful for Pastor Rick and his teaching and to equip us to get us ready, prepared? But he goes, listen, you're going to endure. You're going to flourish. Now is the time to make a stand, to do what is right. You know, the forces of darkness are coming in, but we're going to push back the darkness. We're going to expand. You know, that same little Johanna when she was little, now she's fighting a different kind of warfare. You know, she's kind of caught up when it comes to what's happening when, with, for the fight for life, and she loves to stand for what is right. And she's confused about some of her close friends that are compromising. And then she sees what's happening on, on, on the news when it comes to fighting for what is right and fighting for life. And so when she came up to me about two weeks ago, she goes, Dad, whatever happened to those prayer meetings we used to have where we'd go out into the communities and we would just intercede for the unborn? Because we used to go out as a church. I don't know if anybody were called Standing in the Gap Ministry. All we would do is pray and be available. She goes, can we do that again? absolutely so we're gonna be having some more prayer meetings in the community taking a stand because that is our role the best years are ahead you know pastor scott we talked about this that we have the father's heart the ministry of reconciliation and so that is the fourth thing that the father heart says and you find it right there as he says there in verse 14 he says that this gospel take heed for yourself take inventory Make sure your mind's right. And then he says, I don't want you to be, have a spirit, don't be agitated. You're going to, lawlessness will abound, sin is going to abound, but I'm going to overcome. And my gospel is going to go forth. This ministry of reconciliation is going to go forth. And can I tell you, church, I am so proud of you because out of all the stuff that's happened this last year, this has been one of our best years as a church. It really has. I think of us and the relationships I have. I think of the Spencers. Those, we all kind of came together because we, you know, there, we had to go outside and do church outside. And, and now we're just one team. Everybody was part of the ministry team. And there was this, because, you know, there was children's youth. We all worked together as one. And every single week, the gospel was being proclaimed. And now we were limited in gathering together, but that didn't hinder the church. Because whenever the church gets persecuted, all it does is do what? It grows, it expands. Right? It's that mamba mentality, right? You know, with the enemy, the enemy can't, can't control us. We're united. 
Can I tell you now, because of the internet, because of that, we're using it and we're reaching more and more people with the gospel. We have a bigger audience than we've ever had before. More lives are being impacted. I was so excited to see the people being obedient in the waters of baptism. We've reached more homes, more families. Our season of outreach this last season has been the greatest we've ever seen. In the midst of these challenging times, because that's what the Father's heart is, is that we would be equipped. You guys are familiar with our not ministries. That, uh, to give you a little bit of update, our not, not ministry is for group homes. These are girls that are at-risk youth, and they meet in local here in Orange County. Well, because of the crisis at the border, I'm going to call it a crisis, um, they had to basically displace the girls that we're meeting with. They had to make room for the girls, the unaccompanied minors that are coming in from the border. Many of them are pregnant. Many of them have severe health problems. And so what happened was is that they're displacing the girls that are in their homes now to make room for these girls. Well, we were heartbroken as a team. God, what, do you, what, what about these girls that we're ministering to? And this word of ministry of reconciliation, the, the heart of the Father, the team came together and says, you know, whoever the Lord puts in front of us, we're going to give them the gospel. We're going to share with them the Father's heart. And I'll never forget that first Zoom meeting because we had to meet through Zoom. We came together, and they, they, they came. These girls were coming in. Their faces pop up on the screen, and the gospel, we're talking about the heart of the Father, this heart of ministry of reconciliation to these girls. And the word the Lord gave to us is that, you know what? You're going to minister to the nations, and the nations are going to come to you. So here we have these girls. They're in Zoom, and we, we, I don't speak good Spanish, so I got my Google Translator going on, Right? And I'm hearing the gospel being shared, the heart of the Father, and these girls are crying out on Zoom saying, I miss my daddy. I'm, I'm, they're, they're broken. And every single one of them just accepted the gospel right there on, on, in Zoom, ministering to the nations. And I'm walking out of this going, God, you are so good. You know, you think that, you know, what, what you look to be is your life falling apart. Everything's falling apart. No, God has a different agenda. Let me tell you something, church. Our greatest days are ahead of us. Our greatest days are ahead of us. You know, as we're being positioned, it's time for us. And that's my final point. And I want to invite the worship team to come on up because it, it, it talks about the, these times that we're living in. He goes, when you see these, these times... When you see, and it's kind of heavy language, and Pastor Rick has helped us, and I'm letting him do the heavy lifting. I get to tell you the Father's heart. But he talks about the signs at the end of the age, the time that we're called to be ambassadors. And he says, when you see these signs, and it talks about the signs in the moon. Are you there? Are we good? Oh, good. We're good. Let's hear it for our tech team, right? That's good. When you see distress, <laughs> meaning I think of the nations, perplexity, right? Seas and waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heavens will be shaken. Then the sea, then they 
us, the church, the people, will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. He goes, now when these things happen, he goes, look up. Lift your head up because your redemption draws near. You see, all of us have been praying for our loved ones. All of us have been praying for those who are not serving the Lord. All of us are praying for our communities. Boy, when we see these times, it's time for us to lift up our prayers, lift up our heads. The Bible says be watchful and pray that this is our greatest hour. We're going to see our loved ones coming to the Lord as we are being a witness of him. We are his ambassadors of his ministry of reconciliation as he's wooing people. And many of us, I think, in the, these times, we're having our heads down. We're living in defeat. But God says, no, look up. You know, I think of my son, and he plays Little League, right? Whenever the team is blowing or they have a bad play or they strike out, what do they do? They drop the bat, and they walk. And, they, and what does the coach say? Hey, get your, get your head up. Don't go there. We have a new, new mindset. And this Father's Day's message, I think God's saying, hey, listen, guys, look up. Look up. I'm thinking of the song the worship team is going is to close with is a reminder of the prodigal son. Remember, he kind of, that restoration, that ministry of reconciliation, he's in the father's home, and he went and blew it. And now he comes back with his head down, saying, Father, will you forgive me? I haven't been being that ambassador. I haven't been that witness. You know, I've been, I've, been, I've been agitated. I've been discouraged. I'm upset. And he comes and he asks, and he goes, Father, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. And what does he do? He says, no, come up. He picks him up. He goes, no, lift up. And that's what I want to do this, Father. That's what God wants to do for you. Lift up. Take heed. Don't be agitated. Don't be, don't be walking in that spirit of fear. Do not let your heart be troubled. God is in the heart of restoration. Keep preaching the gospel. Engage. Have that posture of not being downcast. Think of the psalmist. He says, why are you downcast, oh, my soul? You know, you feel like you've been a, if you feel like you've been a failure, no, God, God believes in you more than you believe in yourself. And that's the great thing about this, is if you feel like you have failed, huh, God takes a testimony. I think of Brent and his testimony saying, man, I've really made some mistakes. But many times God will take the brokenness, he takes our sorrow, and he turns it into the most beautiful thing you can even imagine. God takes our brokenness and he restores it and he makes it great. Amen? So can we all stand? And Father, I thank you, Lord, for this chance we have to, to lift up our heads, to lift up our voices. And if you're here this morning and you're hearing the Father's heart and you've been, in a way, having your head down, you've been discouraged about what you see in, in your own life, but God wants to restore relationships between you and, and your Father. And if you've never done that, right now is a good opportunity to cry out to your Heavenly Father saying, Father, forgive me. I put my hope and my trust in you. I recognize that you are wooing us, that you're setting us apart for righteousness. God, that you've called us to be ambassadors, to carry this message. But Lord, we can't carry a message. We're not living. And so, Lord, right now I pray, God, that we would come out of our sleep, Lord, that we would be watchful in prayer. God, that we would look up because we know that redemption is near. So hear our prayers, God. Hear the cry of our hearts. We thank you, Abba, Father, Daddy, that you do love us, that you don't quit on us, that we are fully 
fully alive in you. That you've reconciled us to yourself and it's all because of the blood of Jesus. That it's through Christ that we've been set free. Lord, we, we call upon you, not of our righteousness, God. It's all about you. So happy Father's Day, Jesus. Happy Father's Day. We love you, God. Amen. Let's close in worship.
Prodigals come home. 